the divorce and remarriage is a very sensitive topic, I know and I understand there are a lot of good people on, on differing views and differing ideas and thoughts on it. And so all we're going to do, and I, I, I promise you this, I, have, <laughs> I hope that you understand my heart as a pastor and trust me enough to know that the only motive I have in this is to be scripturally, biblically correct. Uh, that is my heart's desire. And so what we're going to do is, is take some time. We're going to, it may take a couple of weeks even. And I want us to do a thorough look at Scripture and find out specifically what does the Bible teach on the issue? What does it not teach on the issue? And uh, I want to kind of preface a couple of things in this. Um, one thing I would, I would say is <clears throat> if we're not careful, and I, I've had this happen in my life, if we're not careful, sometimes uh, we are taught things, we're shown things even maybe from a passage of Scripture, and then our, our belief on it, our, our, um, what we believe the Bible's teaching is based on that pastor or that mentor or that discipler that helped show us those things. And uh, I'm not saying that they're always wrong. Sometimes they are correct. Uh, but we've got to be careful that we don't, when we come to Scripture, here's the danger. We'll be shown something, and I've, I've seen this happen in Mark chapter number 10 is one of the big verses that a lot of people use in preachers, especially when they preach on the issue in a service. They'll take that passage, maybe they'll combine it with Matthew 19 or Matthew chapter number 5, and they'll preach that issue based on those two or three passages. And they'll make definitive, doctrinally sound statements on them. Um, and then we base our whole doctrine, our whole concept based on those few passages without finding what else the Bible has to say about it. And uh, what I want us to do is be thorough so that we have a full understanding. Uh, there are some areas that I believe are misunderstood in Scripture. I think there's some that maybe we don't understand well enough that we ought to be so, uh, solid in. And, um, and so the danger is this, that we'll have what we believe in our hearts. We'll have one or two passages of Scripture that we have found that very easily help support that. But then we run across other passages that seem to maybe not support that, or maybe even in some cases, on the surface, it seems like it even opposes what we hold to. And if we're not careful, what we will try to do is we'll take what we hold to, and then we will try to make those other passages fit that. And what I'm going to ask you to do is, for the next couple of weeks, uh, have a heart where we come before God and say, Lord, show me what the Bible says about this topic. It can be a very divisive topic, and people, good people I've known that have divided and parted um, fellowship over this issue. And I don't know that that is something that is certainly not God's intent. I believe it can be clearly understood from Scripture, and, and people can be of one mind and one accord. There may be some particulars that we may differ on, but I think the, the, the bulk of what the Bible teaches on it certainly can be understood and can be understood very, very clearly from Scripture. And uh, so we're going to take some time uh, to do this. I believe it's very vital. <clears throat> you say, Brother Greg, why are you doing this? Uh, I, it's one I've been praying on for a while, and then with recent circumstances has become even probably more imperative that we go ahead and address it and deal with it from a, a church perspective. 
Um, but there are a number of reasons why I believe that it is absolutely imperative that we be correct scripturally on this issue. Because without it, there are several things that there are dangers of. Number one, there's a danger of men who should be in pulpits who are not. Uh, there are a number of folks that because of the mistreatment of the subject or the misteaching of the subject uh, have uh, themselves either voluntarily or have been told by other leaders in their group and organization that they do not qualify for that position. And uh, that, is a, that is something that we must be right on if that's going to be the case. Because if we're wrong on the issue, it doesn't just affect that one person. And I want us to understand this. But if we're wrong on the issue and we hinder someone from being in a position that God has called them into, then we're talking about the lives of literally hundreds and possibly even thousands of folks that are being affected for eternity over us being wrong on the issue. Very, very important that we're critical on this. And we understand it. Uh, the potential of souls that could be saved in ministries that should have been started by men who were called to preach but were taught they weren't allowed to or be a part of. Um, there's a danger of spouses that because of wrong teaching on this from Scripture, have been trapped in abusive relationships. And that certainly is not anything that ought to take place. They, they don't feel like there's any reason uh, to have uh, a separation or a divorce, and we're going to be looking at some of these again from Scripture. Again, I want to make sure that our church is very clear on this. From the outset, I have no motive in this other than to be scripturally correct. Um, I have no desire. I've expressed this from the day one when people asked me even to be considered as the pastor here. I have zero desire, none, zip, not any desire to be remarried. Uh, God gave me a wife. I, I loved her with all of my heart, and I do not have her now. And that was, to me, that was it. That was all that I had. And I have zero desire to be remarried. So uh, I don't want anybody to be thinking, well, pastor's thinking about dating or getting remarried again, so he's going to teach on this issue. That is not the motivation here, uh, because that is the furthest thing that uh, could be said in my heart. And then I would ask this. We're going to be covering some things uh, that, again, may be different from what you have held to. All I'm going to ask is that you... Take the time to look and see what does the Bible say about it. And then, if you have questions about it, or you feel like it's been misconstrued uh, or taken out of context, uh, I would ask if you would write that down. And please, please, by all means, come and sit and talk with me about it. Because if I'm wrong on it, I need to know that I, I need to get it right. My desire is to be right on the topic. And if it's something that I haven't done clearly enough from Scripture, maybe I need to go back and readdress it and clarify it even further. But if there's anything like that throughout this process, I'm going to ask if you would to be gracious with me and help me to be accurate and to be right on these issues, um, because that is our heart's desire. And, uh, again, I don't want to say anything that <coughs> would be misconstrued uh, or slanted just to hold to a position I hold to. I'll be real frank with you. What I'm going to teach is not what I was raised believing. 
Uh, but I, again, have spent a great deal of time in Scripture on this issue. I was talking to somebody just about four weeks ago about this particular uh, subject. And uh, I was sitting at, at lunch with him and Bob Evans, and we were talking on the issue. And one of the, one of the criticisms that sometimes men that have been divorced get in teaching on the subject is, well, you're only teaching on that because you've been through it. I would say, okay, that's a, that's a fair assessment and a fair statement. Because when we have problems in life, where do we go for the answers? We go to Scripture, don't we? And so a person that's been through a divorce, uh, where would they turn? I would hope to Scripture. And probably, and I'm not going to say this across the board, but probably will study the subject and look at the subject even closer than someone who has not been divorced or been through the issue. Because, again, why, why, when I was married and happily married and hadn't been through divorce, I'll tell you, I, I read some scriptures on it. I read some books on it and papers on it. But I did not do an exhaustive study on it because I hadn't been through it. But I will say that since that time, there's been a great deal of study and I've really and sincerely tried to lay aside what I believe and let the Bible tell me what I believe and let it tell me specifically and clearly what it says. And uh, one last statement, and then we're going to jump into it. There was, we make a big deal in our, in our Baptist churches about the King James Version of Scripture, and we ought to. The reason we do that, and we've taught this several times in our church, is because there basically are two lines of church history. One set of uh, church history, one line of church history, is, is very, very concerned with having purity of doctrine. And because they have purity of doctrine, that's their heartbeat, they know that their doctrine must come from God's Word. And so we're very careful to make sure that we have a pure Word of God to get our doctrine from. Where the other line of church history has deviated, and what we disagree with is the line that says we want to have our doctrine first, and make our Bible fit our doctrine. And so I'm going to ask us to not make that mistake in this study. Let's not be so established in our doctrine that we're unwilling to look at what does Scripture say. It could be that we may learn something from Scripture that we didn't realize before. All right? So that being said, that's kind of the preface, that's kind of the introduction. Um, and it may, it may end up causing some folks to say, I can't belong to Keith Heights Baptist Church anymore. I hope that's not the case. I hope that graciously we can all look at this together from God's Word and see what does the Bible say about it. And we may end up leaving and, and disagreeing on it. That's fine. But I think that we must declare what does the Bible teach on it. And I was talking to somebody just the other day. I said, I cannot as a pastor not preach on a truth that I believe the Bible teaches that I believe we're wrong on just because I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. If I do that, I might as well resign as a pastor and get out of the pulpit. And my intent is not to hurt. I, I love every person in this room. I mean that with all of my heart. Y'all are family. And my heart is not to hurt somebody here. My heart is to help us all understand what does the Bible say on it. And that truly is my motive. And I hope you'll know my heart on it. And bear with us as we go through it, okay? Can, you, can we do that? Can we agree on that part at least? We're in agreement at the onset, hopefully. <laughs> okay. All right, let's look at Acts chapter number 5. 
and uh, verse number uh, 29. And this is just going to be our founding principle on looking at this. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Can we agree on that this morning before we get any further? That when it comes down to a group of people saying one thing and the Bible saying something contrary to it, we have no other choice in the matter than to believe what God has said. Now, in dealing with this topic, there are two main positions that we can, and we can generalize them into two categories of positions, and there are dangers to both of them, although I do believe that one of them is more correct than the other. The first position is there's absolute restriction uh, to uh, divorce and or remarriage. And this position typically takes the view that there is never, ever a reason for there to be a divorce in Scripture, that God never allows there to be any reason for divorce. Now, some people hold to that. I was in a meeting a number of years ago, and a group of pastors were meeting together. And when I went to the meeting, the fellow that was um, heading the, the, uh, the, the meeting up uh, told all the pastors as I got there, he said, do not call on Brother Greg to pray. He's been divorced. Pray publicly. He's been divorced. And the idea that I was not allowed to pray publicly simply because I had been divorced. And uh, I thought, boy, what a, what a travesty. It didn't, I mean, as far as I was concerned, I wasn't there to pray publicly anyway. It didn't bother me. Uh, other than it, it saddened me that men would have that kind of idea and misunderstanding of Scripture. Uh, and so we have the view that's absolutely restrictive. There's those that say if a, if a divorce does take place, then the Bible teaches that there is never any reason for a remarriage uh, to take place unless the spouse is widowed. Uh, and the, that's the second area of this absolute restrictive view. We're going to look at these each from Scripture and uh, see where the danger lies in this. Now, those that hold to those two ideas, or one or both of those ideas, tend to get into the next one, which often leads to this, and that is they believe that if the remarriage takes place, that there can be no resolution of it, that the person must then live in perpetuity of adultery, uh, and that there is no, no resolution to it. Uh, certainly them divorcing the remarried person would not be right, or they can't hold to their first point, which is there's never a time for God to say a divorce is necessary. And so I want us to look at some things from Scripture. Can we do that on these three issues? And uh, let's see what the Bible has to say. Turn with me first of all. Let's look at the first one. Uh, that there's a, The view of the absolute restrictive says uh, that there's never a reason, there's never a reason that God... Uh, ever wants there to be a divorce, or ever allows there to be a divorce. That it's never, if a divorce takes place, that it's not legitimate in the eyes of God, that never, it doesn't happen. Uh, look with me in Malachi chapter number 2. This is a, one of the verses that a lot of those that hold to the absolute restrictive view oftentimes will come to. Uh, Malachi chapter number 2, and let's look in verse number 11. <clears throat> Judah hath dealt treacherously, and an abomination is committed in Israel and Jerusalem. For Judah hath profaned the holiness of the Lord, which he loved, and hath married the daughter of, the, of a strange god. The Lord will cut off the man that doeth this, the master and the scholar, out of the tabernacles 
of Jacob and him that offereth an offering unto the Lord of hosts. And this have ye done again, covering the altar of the Lord with tears uh, and with weeping and with crying out insomuch uh, that he regarded not the offering. And I've got the, I'm reading the wrong passage. Uh, here we go. Verse number, there we go. Verse number 14. Verse number 14. I started in verse 11. It should have been 14. Yet ye say again, Wherefore, because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously. So I want you to understand the background of what Malachi is addressing here. The nation of Israel, this is towards the end of uh, what's dealing with uh, uh, the history of the Israelites prior to then there's a, about a 400-year gap where you don't hear a whole lot before the Lord comes on the scene again. So this is about, about 400 years or so before uh, Christ. Malachi chronologically comes and fits into the scenario of the history of Egypt, uh, of the history of Israel around the time of Nehemiah and Ezra. So if you can keep those two uh, in mind as well. And what was taking place is the nation of Israel was was going against what God wanted them to do in marrying uh, people that were of a pagan nation. Uh, the Moabites and some of the folks, and he'll list some of them, I think, here in uh, in uh, in Ezra as we take a look in there in just a few moments. But they they go and they marry these pagan, uh, they take pagan wives and they bear children to them, and they're uh, and they're doing this by divorcing their Israelite wife and then marrying into the pagan family. So this is the specific issue that God is addressing with the nation of Israel. He talks about them in verse number 14, that the wife that you've done wrong against the wife of your youth, against whom ye have dealt treacherously, yet is she thy companion and the wife of the, thy covenant. Now notice this, and did not he make one, uh, and did not he make one, yet had he the residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he that, that he hateth putting away. For one covereth violence with his, uh, with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit that ye deal not treacherously. So they oftentimes will vote or will look to Malachi chapter two and verse number sixteen and say, "There it is. God hates the putting away. God hates the divorce." And they'll say, "Because that, because God hates it." That there's never, ever, 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 ever a time for a person to get a divorce. Never. Alright, so hold that place for just a moment. Let's look in Ezra chapter number 10. So again, we're, we're dealing with the same time period. And can I say it this way? We're dealing with the same issue in the book of Ezra. And so let's take a look at Ezra and chapter number 10. Ezra chapter number 10. And look in verse number 1. Now when Ezra had prayed and when he had confessed weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. Uh, and Shechaniah, the son of uh, Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said unto Ezra, We have trespassed against our God. And this is their trespass. And have taken strange wives of the people of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. Now, therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and such as are born of them, according to the counsel of my Lord and of those that tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done, notice this, 
This is a critical phrase. Let it be done according to the law. Now, some people will say, well, God hates divorce. There's never, ever time for it because God hates it. And yet, God actually approved of this divorce for them to put away their pagan wives, for them to take and put them to the side and to divorce them and to go back to uh, the wife of their youth. Now, notice this in verse number uh, 5, uh, I believe it is. Uh, let's go to verse number 4. Arise for this matter belongeth unto thee. We also will be with thee. Be of good courage and do it. Then arose Ezra and made the chief priests and the Levites and all Israel to swear that they should do according to this word. And they swear. Notice that even the chief priests and the Levites were involved in this. The chief priests and the Levites were involved in it. Look down now, and you can take the time. I'm not going to take this out of context, I promise you, but for sake of time, we've got a lot to look at this morning. Let's move to verse number 11. You can read the verses in between and find that we're still within context. Now, therefore, make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers, and notice this, and do his what? His pleasure. And separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. This is God's pleasure. What's the difference? One is a godly, God-fearing family that was being broken to move toward paganism. That was Malachi chapter number 2. And the Bible says God hated that. Can I start off this whole study by saying God's desire, God's absolute desire, is for there to be a godly family and for there to be no divorce. That is God's desire. From the beginning, he says, that's the way it was. And if God could have his perfect way, that's the way it would be. He desires that. However, man sinned. And because of that, man's heart became hardened. And man began to do some things that were contrary to God. And as he did some of those things... There were times where God looked at it, and as we find one of those instances here in Ezra chapter number 10, where them putting away their wives was a pleasure to the Lord. Why? Because they're putting away their pagan wives. They're turning to Him, making a difference. Very important. And notice, we already saw earlier in Ezra chapter 10, this included the high priest and the Levites. Those that were supposed to be separated for the holiness and the work of God. Now, let's go on and look at Mark chapter number 10 and uh, verse number 29. Mark chapter number 10. Mark 10 is, a, is an interesting uh, passage. And I'm going to kind of give a little bit of background on it before we jump into it. Mark chapter number 10. God is, or Christ is addressing a specific question that is asked of him regarding the law that was given in Deuteronomy chapter 24. We're going to take time to look at that in detail and, and break it apart and look at it very, very closely. Because again, we, mis, we misinterpret, we misread that oftentimes. And so he deals with that in the first part of Mark chapter number 10. As we get down later into the chapter... Um, Oh, I got the wrong book. Hang on a second. Let me get to the right book. As we get to later on in the chapter, uh, he also deals with... Hang on, let me get there. 
This Bible's not working with me this morning. All right, Mark 10, and let's look in verse 29. Uh, let's back up verse 28 for a minute. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, notice this, for my sake and the gospel's. But he shall receive an hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. Do you see that phrase there? And in the world to come, eternal life. When the early church began to propagate the gospel and men and women began to get saved, the veracity with which those that were unbelievers reacted to that was unbelievable. To the point where dads and moms would kick children out of the house and disown them for being a Christian. Where husbands would kick wives out or wives would kick husbands out for being a believer. They were being put away. They were, that, that was breaking the marital covenant. And God said, those people are blessed because they've done it for the gospel's sake. They've done it for my sake. Now, does that give us the excuse to say, well, my husband isn't as spiritual as I am. I'm going to divorce him and get one more spiritual. No, no, that's not what we're saying here. We're talking about someone who defies the truth of God. And we're going to look at that, and, and we may get to it today. You may have to wait till next Sunday until we get to it. But it's very clearly dealt with in 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. And we'll take a look at that, uh, Lord willing, next week. So the first thing that we have to deal with on this thing of there's no reason ever to be divorced, is we know that there are times in Scripture that God says, look, it's not my desire, but yeah, I'm okay with it. In fact, there was even the one time in Ezra where the Bible says it was his pleasure that they put them away. Uh, so I don't know that we can definitively, from Scripture, make the statement that God is never, ever, ever for divorce. I believe that there are times that he says, because it's the situation you're in, because of the hardness of your heart, there needs to be a divorce here. There needs to be a putting away. And uh, again, I think that that's very clearly taught in Ezra chapter number 10. On to the point of the divorce takes place, and then there's never a reason for remarriage unless you're widowed. Let's go ahead and look at the beginning of Mark chapter number 10. And we're going to read verse number, verse number 1 down through verse number 12. <clears throat> And he arose from thence, and cometh to the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. And the people resort unto him again, and he was wont, he taught, uh, and as he was wont, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? What are the next two words? Tempting him. And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and put her away. Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And I'm going to stop right there for just a moment. 
The desire of God, and make no bones about it, no matter what we teach over the next several weeks, the underlying truth we've got to always keep in mind is that God's desire is for the family to stay together. If at all possible, let it stay together. If it can be reconciled at all, let it stay together. That is God's desire. He does not joy in in divorce. He does not joy in families being split. But for us to go on and say that He does not allow it is taking a step beyond Scripture. We even get to the place where in verse number 9, and this is where a lot of people hold to, they misread verse number 9 or misunderstand it when it says, What therefore God hath joined together, man is not able to put asunder, is the way we normally interpret that. In other words, no matter what you do, you're always married in the sight of God. Man cannot sever that relationship. That's not what it says, though, is it? It says, what God hath joined together, let not man put it asunder. There is the possibility of man putting that asunder. God's just saying, don't do it. Well, what is the method of putting it asunder? He just said, writing a bill of divorcement. It severs the marital bond. It, it causes the... the uh, uh, the covenant of marriage to be broken. By the way, that's not unusual, is it, for man to break covenant? In Hebrews, that's why it's required that Jesus Christ be the surety of the new covenant. Because it is possible to break covenants. Men break covenants. And what God is telling us in verse number 9 is, not that it's impossible. He's saying don't do it. Can we agree with that? Can you see that in Scripture? Otherwise, he would have said, they're not able to put us under. Or what God has joined together, it is forever and cannot be put us under. But he says, let not man put it asunder. And he does that in the context of what was just stated, which is, they can be given a bill of divorcement. And he says, while that's true, it was for the hardness of your hearts. And what God has put together, don't let man do this. So he's not saying it's not possible to be done. He's saying don't let it be done. Now, let's look at the parallel passage in Matthew chapter nine, so I don't, 19, so I don't leave you hanging. Because this brings us then to the other uh, school of thought, and that is exceptionality, or the idea that God makes some exceptions. By the way... There are numerous things in Scripture that we could point to, and I'll give those to you, Lord willing, next Sunday, where God establishes a truth and then makes exceptions for special cases and special circumstances. And uh, so it's not unusual. It's within the character of God. It's within the nature of God to do those things for the benefit of fallen man. And so we get to this as we get to uh, Matthew chapter number 19. And... um, Let's begin in verse number 1 also. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? In other words, can man just, for any reason, put his wife away? Look what Jesus answers. Now, I want you to understand this, because we're going to establish this right here and right now. God is speaking to Jews, 
about a law in Deuteronomy 24 that was given to Jews, and he's speaking about a very narrow addressing of the law that was given in Deuteronomy chapter number 2. Now, as we get to verse number 3, the Bible says, They came tempting him and says, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? In other words, for anything I want to, I can just write a bill of divorcement, divorce her, and be free and go marry somebody else. Can I do that? Let's see what the Lord says. And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which hath made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, again, the same phrase here, let not man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, and here is a set of instructions that expands Mark 10. except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Now, there's a whole gambit of things involved in this first exception clause that we're going to look at. And uh, the only way to do that is to study Deuteronomy chapter number 24. So let's go over real quick and look there. And I'm going to just give you... Uh, because of the sake of time, and we may pick this up in the 1 o'clock hour, because I, I think this is important enough that we keep things fresh on our mind as we delve into further material. But look with me, if you will, in Deuteronomy chapter 24, and then we'll, we'll close here and, and pick up there next week. And again, before you, before you come to any fighting fisticuffs with me, let's get through the study, and let's take one verse upon one verse upon one verse and see what the Bible teaches, all right? Then if you want to fight me and sock me in the nose, you can do that later. All right? When a, man take, when a man hath taken a wife and married her. Now, lest we think this is in the betrothal period, he ends it right there. This is a married couple. Fully married, fully consummated marriage. When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass, she find no favor in his eyes. Notice the phrase, because he hath found some uncleanness in her. Now, a lot of people question what is the uncleanness. We'll discuss that a little bit, Lord willing, next week. Let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be what? Wait a minute. Is there never a time for there to be remarriage after divorce? Well, okay, Pastor, they can remarry, but they're committing adultery. Well, wait a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 22 already deals with adultery, and there's a penalty for adultery. What's the penalty? Stoning. This, this lady is married to her second husband and has not been stoned. So it must be because of this bill of divorcement that the marital bond was broken and she was free to marry again. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her 
and write her a bill of divorcement. So this is now the second husband. He doesn't divorce her for uncleanness. He divorces her because of the... He doesn't like her because of the hate. And giveth it to her hand and sendeth her out of his house. Or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that, she is defiled, for that is an abomination before the Lord. I've had some people say, well, Brother Greg, if, if your wife ever, uh, she's remarried now, if she ever would divorce him, she could reconcile to you and that'd make it okay. Not according to this. Not according to this. Folks, all I'm asking you is give me time because this is not a, a quickly dealt with subject if we're going to exhaust the Scriptures on it. I want us to be scripturally right. I hope and I pray and I've asked God, help me not to draw a conclusion that is not in keeping with the Word of God. But if the Bible says it, I want to be able to hold my belief where the Bible says. And I hope I don't lose your friendship over it. But I come back to Acts chapter number 5. I've got one thing I've got to do, and that is to obey God rather than men. And I hope that will be our desire. So bear with me. Some of you may be sitting there saying, oh, this, oh I, I've got so many things I want to just say to him right now. Let's get through it. Let's get through the Scriptures and let God do in our hearts from Scripture what he's going to do. And then I'll be glad to sit and talk with you ad nauseum about it if we need to. All right? So let's stand together. We'll be dismissed, and we'll be back in about 10 or 15 minutes. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it in our lives. Lord, may you give us the grace to come to its pages with a humble heart and an open mind ready to be taught. Lord, my desire is not to have any, any person in this room be offended or angry at me personally or to feel that I'm teaching some sort of heresy. Lord, my, my desire is to be right doctrinally. My heart is to love these people and to make sure that we're guiding them doctrinally and correctly in your word. And so, Father, I know that messages are preached here and there, and sometimes we've heard one message on this and one message on that. Lord, our desire is to do an exhaustive study of this subject because it matters so greatly in light of eternity. So many, I believe, that are lost and undone, that would have been reached by men who, had they known Scriptures, would have been involved greatly in ministry. So, Father, help us, I pray. Help us to understand and know this subject well. To rightly divide it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.